Well, uh, I tell you, it's been a whirlwind since we were on this platform last. And I don't think I've slowed down yet and probably won't. But we are here uh, because of many things, because of your love, because of your prayers, because of your optimism and your hope and vision for the future, because your hunger for God. But we are here foremostly because the Lord Jesus Christ has called us here. As crazy as that is to my whole family. (laughs) But his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. And so many times when we are confused as to what he may be up to, we just need to slow down and be obedient. And in course of time, we can turn around and look back and realize that he was sovereignly in control of all things in all ways at all times. And so we are so glad to be with you and um, that you have invited us um, to be one of many ministers of God's grace because all members are members, all members are ministers of God's grace, but that you have called us to be your lead pastor and pastor's wife. It is indeed a privilege and a blessing. And um, Melissa, you want to share a few words or not? I'd rather talk at a Mike here. She, of course, she's been back here one time and back to Indiana since I've been here. So he's just jealous because I have more friends than he does. <laughs> we are so unbelievably excited about being here. If um, you would have said a year ago, guys, right, that we'd be standing on this stage and um, we'd be as excited as we are. We wouldn't have said it was even possible. But God is so faithful. He's sovereign. And you have given us such a warm welcome. I just feel like we are with family. And I thank you for that very much. Thank you. Hey, that that surprise yesterday at the Axe Deans, us pulling in. I mean, we're we're up pretty early flying on that plane. And, of course, I'm a little freaked out because it's like, how the whole, I never want to fly into LAX. I usually go into Ontario, San Diego, and I chose to fly into LAX to get a direct flight for my whole family. And so within 24 hours of uh, that tragedy there, I'm like, oh, great, this is what I'm taking my family to. And uh, so we fly in, and uh, uh, we had a, a great little tour to go up to see my son Ryan, who's a junior at uh, APU, and then we came down here. And uh, we were in separate vehicles. My two oldest sons were in a separate car, and they were behind us quite a ways. And I drove my family through Old Town and up through wine country. So I go into the Axines the back way. I'm just sort of taking my time, right? And uh, we come around the corner uh, to where the Axines live, where uh, we're being hosted at for this week. And uh, I start to notice there's more cars than normal from when I was with Dave and Don last time, sort of parked along. And we come around the turn. And uh, there, many of you were, I don't know, 50, 60-some maybe of people just with banners and hooping and hollering, and you'd been waiting almost an hour, some of you had. <laughs> You're very faithful people. Thank you. And, uh, but you don't know what that meant to us and um, um, what that meant to my family because uh, there's some hard goodbyes we had to say. And though my family will be back and forth some, um, I'm here from now through, but um, those are hard things to do. And many of you have said those hard goodbyes, but your warm welcome and your embrace was so meaningful to us um, to say, you know, hey, it's okay. 
God's got a plan in place for you, your family here. So thank you so much for that and for being there, in particular those of you yesterday. Um, I would uh, like to introduce my family for you. It was a joy for us to be able to get them all here. We sort of pulled them out of school, so hopefully kids will get their homework done this week online or whatever. A little bit different day. But uh, they all wanted to be here for the beginning. Uh, what's going to happen is uh, my family flies back then on Monday, a week from tomorrow. They'll be here for the whole week, and uh, they will finish out uh, school this semester back in Indianapolis area. And then um, we are going to bring a couple vehicles down here and enroll my daughter uh, in school down here. And then my two other sons are actually going to be finishing out some uh, second semester back home. And we're going to actually be bio-residential to some degree until June when we finally pack up the big thing and ship it down here and who knows where we're going to live. And so, uh, but uh, Melissa will be back in force some, but uh, we're primarily here beginning in January. And then I'm here through Christmas, Sunday before Christmas. I'm taking off to go home and we'll have a couple, three weeks there at Christmas together. And uh, I got to get my house ready uh, to get it on the market because there were so many things I was going to get done and I haven't got those done. And so, but uh, we really believed as we shared together as elders and uh, with Bill Malik, the district superintendent, that it would be good for um, me to come and begin ministry now. And so I'm glad to be here, that I'm able to be here. And uh, we are going to, as many of you had on your little posters, that was so cool. I don't know where the phrase come. It's just sort of stuck in my head. But we are going to rock the valley, right? Hey, some of you got that. Let's say that on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Rock the valley for Jesus Christ. That'll be great. Well, I want to introduce my family for you. And uh, the first person I want to introduce to you uh, is my mother. Some of you were here when I spoke twice in September. And um, I gave reference to my father passing away last March. And so one of the difficult goodbyes is for my mom to not have us within an hour and a half drive of home. But uh, I'm going to have my family come up here and stand, beginning with my mom, and then the rest of you can come up and stand. So, Mom, would you come? And uh, would you welcome my mom, Norma Jean Bowman. It is, it is because of my mother's faithfulness uh, that I'm here before you and her faithfulness to the Lord through so many years. And her and dad just uh, continue to give not only their prayers and affirmation to me personally growing up, but their blessing to pursue ministry. And you don't know what that means to a young kid who has a lot of roots back in a, a, a farming area that we were in and uh, my brother's farm and we farm many, many acres. And uh, for me to take the initiative to leave, and they always bless. And uh, she has blessed me coming here. And as uh, difficult that is, but we said we're going to find one of those what they call uh, extra suites on the main floor, the grandparent suite, and we're going to invite her out. So hopefully that's why I gave her a direct flight. I wanted her to say, hey, you can get on a plane four hours later. You're in Los Angeles area. And uh, thankfully we didn't come into Terminal 3. It was Terminal 5. <laughs> and um, so... Uh, we are uh, glad to uh, be able to minister together still through these um, those miles separate us, and she'll be praying for us. Melissa, you come up, and I want to rest, invite the rest of my family to come up. And uh, come on, just stand, some of you know. And um, this uh, is our daughter, Grace Maylong Bowman. Can you say hi, Grace? <laughs> So many new beginnings for her, beginning with the American Girl doll party this afternoon with a bunch of fourth grade girls, I think, or whatever. So. And some of you met Ryan, who was here before with us in September, and Ryan is a junior at APU, and he is majoring. 
in cinema arts and business. And this is my son, Zach. And Zach's a junior at Zionsville High School. And Zach's, uh, he's prayerfully just considering all that God has in his life. <laughs> you can pray for Zach. Um, Next to saying goodbye to an area that I grew up in a lot with family and things was uh, the difficulty in knowing that uh, he may choose by God's leading, and he's a man that seeks after the Lord um, to finish out um, his school in Indianapolis. And uh, so we're looking at that. He'll be 18 next summer, so he has license to decide where he's going to spend his senior year of high school. (laughs) We held him back a year originally. I guess it would be like sending him off to college anyway. But he'll definitely be finishing through his junior year. Uh, in May of 2014 at uh, Zionsville High School. And this is our special son, Levi. Levi is 14. Levi, you want to say hi? <laughs> this kid's taking it the best of anybody. He's, he's losing a lot of special, he's in special Olympics and special needs friends, his whole community, and he's just, I just find new friends. And so he's going to find new friends. And uh, many of you maybe have met uh, Jennifer uh, Curlis here. She is my oldest niece, and she lives in San Diego. And so she joined us here again today, but she was here with us in September. So, Jennifer, it's great to be around her, closer as family, as well as Ryan, who's closer in family. So to some degree, this was the second home that we came to, and we're glad to be here. Thank you, guys. Well, I was a half an hour late this morning for whatever reason. I was thinking that uh, service started at 9.30. It starts at 9. So I don't know if they're going to have some of those slides I wanted to use in a little bit or not. But um, what time do we go here, Dan? i, I got to be done by 10.10 10 there or whatever. But we got a good block of worship here coming. for ten. All right. I tell you what, this is one of those Sundays where you're just going to have to go with the flow a little bit uh, because we just landed. And uh, I wanted to share with you uh, not only out of God's word and challenge us a message from the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, but I also wanted to speak into our lives as a church community and a church family. You've been on a journey. You've had to say some hard goodbyes as well. And uh, you've had a lot of question marks in your mind as to what's happening and where's the church going and those kinds of things. And over the next number of weeks, we're going to be sharing together some of that direction of what God's laid on my heart. And as we pray together and join together as a congregation, as church leaders. But I want you to know that some of our time that we'll be spending together here in this room on a weekly basis every seven days is going to be family table time. And if you know what family table time is, it just circle up around the table and we're just going to share And I may end up even interacting some with you. So if you would give me grace over some of these weeks as it relates to how's he framing up? You know, it's going to be a combination, a little bit of just a family mealtime around the table and us looking in the word of God and listening to the Lord Jesus Christ speak into our lives. And so with that, I'd like us to pray. And then I want to begin sharing what the Lord's put on my heart for today. Our Lord Jesus in the heavens above, who is here through his Holy Spirit, who has not left us as orphans, but has come to us, who has promised that wherever two or three are gathered would be in our midst, we pray to you, Jesus, here in our midst, that you would take our lives, that you would embrace them, make us whole, but Lord, that you would take our lives and use them for your glory. 
So much comes and goes in a weekly news cycle. Highs and lows. Exciting things, tragedies. But Lord, you are steadfast and true. And Lord Jesus, you have a plan that's going on through the ages. And you have called us into that plan. Not only in a sense of personal salvation, but you have called us into your corporate plan of the ages. And we together as a church body offer ourselves to you who are here to hear from you, to be instructed by you. Yes, to be embraced and encouraged by you, Lord, but to be empowered by you to be a people that are sent out for your glory. So, Lord, to that end, may you bless not only this moment, but every moment, every week that you so choose to give us before your soon return. We pray that you would enable us to be empowered and mobilized from here this morning to go forth in your name. And so that is our prayer. Amen. This summer, we were able to uh, make this trip out this way for a couple weeks, as some of you know. And uh, so we camped down here because Ryan was here in school for the summer. And uh, we stayed at his apartment, which had no other of his four roommates in it. And so we hung out for a couple weeks. And it was during those two weeks that I came down and had a meeting with Bill Malik. And Bill Malik said, we want you to really consider coming to Temecula. Why don't you put it on your radar to get here? And uh, on that trip, it was interesting because, you know, I started to get a little bit more, okay, Jesus, would this be an area of mission field that you would call us to, that kind of thing. And uh, because my son uh, this summer had an internship at Disney, he invited us to the Disney lot, uh, the studios, to be able to do a little tour there because I guess they don't have the public tours like you do at Universal and, and Paramount and those kinds of places. And so we made on this little tour uh, around uh, uh, the Disney lot area, and Ryan walked us into this room, one room, and unexpectedly, uh, hopefully we have it back there, this is what I saw walking into this room. Can any of you tell me what this picture is? Mumbles, mumbles. How do you say that's the wardrobe from Narnia? Yes, you got it right. Well, as you knew from before, I'm a big Narnia fan because I think Narnia speaks of the kingdom of God and walking through the wardrobe back into it. But we walk in there and Levi's standing there looking at the wardrobe. It looked a little smaller than what it was there on the big thing, right? But you're like, wow, that's Narnia. And you so much wanted to jump over the rope and do what? Go in it! At least knock on the back of the wardrobe and say, hey, anything on the other side? Well, I would have gotten in trouble to do that, and Ryan probably would have got fired. So I decided, no, I won't do that. But right next to the wardrobe was this character, Mr. Tumnus. Now, in Narnia, if you remember, they entered through the back of the wardrobe, and it was wintertime, and Narnia was frozen, right? And it was always winter, but never Christmas, right? And uh, there was Mr. Tumnus. I was excited to see Mr. Tumnus, except I always thought Aslan caused them to be alive, and he's still frozen, so that was sort of messed me up a little bit. <laughs> but in my prayer, I began asking the Lord, okay, what is it through the backside of another wardrobe in life? And the wardrobe for me was walking into another opportunity to do kingdom work and um, so the wardrobe there's a picture of the wardrobe being used in the, the movie next and um, staring at 
the door, wondering what was through on the other side. I don't really know what is, but I knew know that on the other side is the land of the kingdom of God. There used to be a song when I was growing up called, If You Think My Head's in a Different World Than Brothers, You're Right. You'll have to forgive me because I live that way sometimes. It's a natural world. My feet are firmly planted on this earth. But I tell you what, my heart and my soul are in the kingdom of God. And when I read the news even, I try to interpret it through the kingdom of God. He has a plan for the ages. And I want us to envision what's through that wardrobe on the other side in the kingdom of God and for us to participate and live, if I can say this in one sense, in the land of Narnia. But that means our feet are firmly planted in this world. Now, in Narnia, it was winter, as the uh, next slide shows, with um, the, the land and all that was going on and the wonder of it as Lucy walked through it. But do you remember they were in Narnia for the longest time and they were doing ministry and, the, you know, and so you had Peter and Susan and you had Edmund and Lucy and they became the princesses. And, and Aslan, who represents Jesus Christ, freed up everybody uh, in Narnia from the curse of the witch and she had frozen everything. And if you remember, they were in Narnia for a long, long time. And then what happened? They fell back through the wardrobe. The next slide shows them falling back through the wardrobe. And they fell back through the wardrobe, and the, and the professor of the house is there, and they're like, oh. And, and they said, did you miss this? And he said, what? You weren't gone. Again, C.S. Lewis brilliantly depicting eternity as above and outside of time. We were at APU walking around yesterday and in the theological library that had a whole display and scenario going on for C.S. Lewis, and I was showing Gracie. There's the Narnia books, some really old copies. And, and uh, it's interesting because he was so great with depicting that. And if you've never had the opportunity just to read the books of Narnia to your kids, I encourage you to do that, or at least see some of the movies. Now, this was the first movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, from the first book. The second uh, movie that was uh, done was what? Just recently was Prince Caspian. Do you remember how they got back into Narnia? Because they didn't walk back through the wardrobe. How'd they get back in? I, that's for the train. Remember, they're standing along the train, and the train goes by, and then all of a sudden everything starts to fall, and before they know it, it opens up, and they're back into Narnia, right? And Narnia had aged. But the one I liked the most, I liked the voyage of the dawn treader. And this is how they got back into Narnia in the voyage of the dawn treader. Like Batman's in that picture anyway. Pity. Edmund, it looks like the water's actually moving. What rubbish, see? That's what happens when you read all those fanciful novels and fairy tales. Edmund, the painting! I love the kingdom of God. There's a lot of magical stuff that goes on and will go on. But this, that scenario we just saw, you need to know why I showed it this morning. Because if you want to know 
what's going through my mind, my wife's mind, to some degree my family's mind, I feel like I'm in that room and the water is filling up and I'm confused what's happening. But I know what God's doing. God is rushing in a movement of His Spirit to bring us as a family back at the forefront of some kingdom work where we've been sitting on the outside to some degree, vocationally at least, looking in as God was leading me to do some other things and do some schooling and, and work through some soul issues of my own part and think through church ministry stuff again. And it was like, I can't stop this. I can't stop this. And we just feel like we've popped our head above the water in Narnia by the voyage of the Don Treader, and we are being lifted onto the boat. That's how I feel. <laughs> and if you want to know what's next, I have some thoughts. I've been in Narnia before. But friends, this is a whole new adventure. This is a whole new journey. And we're going to be charting some waters that have never been charted before. And you're going to understand more of that in the weeks to come. Because I did not come here, as I told the elders on that first day, when we had a Skype interview in my house here to Temecula, I didn't come here to play church. But I did come here to be a part of a movement in the kingdom of God. And I want you to know this. These are different days, aren't they? And these different days are going to demand a church that doesn't do things different for the sake of being different. It's not about our glory. But we better be mindful that what has worked before is not necessarily going to work for the days ahead. For the last five weeks, I've poured myself into study and writing a fairly lengthy paper. And that paper is simply titled The Mission for the Kingdom That Is Now at Hand. And I want you to devote yourself to pray. You can pray for me and my family. That's great. But I want you to pray for the will of God to powerfully work through our lives as a church community. But more importantly, for the power of God to rock this valley. People need the Lord. You know, we were there at LAX yesterday. You see the TSA agents dressed in blue, just doing their job. You never know what a day holds. Eternity's real. Not only is eternity real, but every day's real, and every day's tough for a lot of people. Many of you in here are having pretty tough weeks right now. And you need the power of Jesus Christ and a daily experience of the kingdom of God because the journey you're on needs to be aligned with the journey of Jesus Christ. It needs to be aligned with the journey of Aslan, the lion. You know, this picture of Narnia, I don't know if you have it there. I mean, but the um, <laughs> cool thing. <laughs> Where's Dan at? You guys are so cool. I want you to know. 
Dodge isn't here this morning, but what is, you guys took video. When we, I, I sent my video, which I guess all you heard was, hey, we're coming to California, and then nobody heard anything out of it. <laughs> and then, was it, was it your husband, Tiffany, that sent the video? I, you know, he came, he sent it to me. So you guys all cheered. Woo! I had just left the church that my mother attends and some of my family back home in Marion, Indiana, and we were having lunch. And we were talking about this transition because we just made the decision like 11 p.m. the night before because I had Bill Malik worried, didn't I? <laughs> I, I told him I'd call him before church. He's going to have to flip his message or have Steve Riley speak or something, I think, was what his goal was. But uh, we were sitting there as family, and uh, I showed that video to my family. I showed it to Mom. And uh, you guys were all cheering. You made my mom cry again, tears of joy. <laughs> We got that word of welcome, different ones you text, Facebook, that kind of thing. But Dan's was the best. Dan just had one simple phrase, and it was sent at 9.30 my time on a Sunday morning. And what Dan said in capital letters on his text message to me was, Aslan is on the move. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm kindred hearts with Dan, man. We're going, yeah, Aslan's on the move. Because, you know, you, you get excited about, hey, a new pastor, a new day, that kind of thing, and all that's cool. But, friends, the excitement comes because Aslan is on the move. He's been faithful through nine and a half years of this church's beginning, faithful in this community through all kinds of church ministries and people working to bring people to Jesus. And Aslan continues to be on the move. And he is looking, and that's who we need to look to as we discern what needs to happen for a new day. Not me. In fact, a lot of what I've done in ministry before, I'm questioning as if it really works for today. So many unchurched people, people far from God, people that don't care about trying to put time in to be able to come to a gathering experience. You know, they say, statistics say that 60% of unchurched people would not come to a church building no matter how many bells and whistles you had, how great the band was, how great children's ministry was, how great the preaching was. They ain't coming. So what are we going to do with that? 40% will come. You invite them, they may come. That will be great, and we'll go after that. But there's 60% that are. Well, Aslan's got to be on the move because he has called us. Jesus, they, the scriptures say that God desires that all people would be saved and come into an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be entered into the back of the wardrobe, into the kingdom of God, be a part of what God's doing, not only for now, but into eternity. And we have something to do, but we live in a different day. Aslan's on the move, though. I only had one prayer request, whether it was here, wherever we went. My one prayer request was, Jesus, you go ahead of us. I ain't going anywhere unless you go ahead of us. So Aslan's on the move. The kingdom of God is real. I'm going to invite us to prayerfully consider before him in the coming weeks, months, even years what God would have us to do as a body of people to be able to rock the valley for Jesus Christ and bring people into his kingdom. But it may look different. We may be challenged in some different kinds of ways than we have before. I have been now around five, I guess I could say six, but five different churches during the course of my life that I've been invested in from when I was young. 
And I want to show to you, this is a little bit of the family table time here, uh, what is sort of typical sometimes of churches. Now, I studied revival and church history for a long time. In fact, I wanted to wake up dead churches. That was a part of my passion in life and that kind of thing. So I studied a lot of revivalists. When God called me, began to call me into ministry. And I would end up uh, reading these guys, and they were talking about the Great Awakenings and when God showed up in the 1700s and the 1800s. And you know, I'm like, wow, oh, Great Awakenings of God moving and rocking not only valleys but whole sectors and regions of America, that kind of thing. One of the people that I read after a little bit was a Southern Baptist revivalist by the name of Vance Havner. And Vance Havner is one of these kind of guys that he just sort of had a way of twisting and turning things and making you think about him a little bit. Well, he ended up dying, I think, my last year of seminary. But I read different ones of his stuff. And I remember reading something he said talking about what happens to churches and churches' lives that's hung with me all these years. And it's a bell curve. And he talks about this. This is what happens with churches. And I've seen it to be historically true in the churches that I've been a part of through my existence. And it starts out this way. It starts out, the life stages of a church, it starts out a lot of times with a man. And the man has a vision. And he has a heart from God to see something happen. Maybe a woman, maybe a couple, maybe a group of people have come together for a small group Bible study. But when you see churches, a lot of them, they start, they have a beginning. Some of them start by launching out from another church. Sadly, some launch by splitting out of another church, that kind of thing. But everybody thinks they have a reason, a mission uh, to, to start something. And so it starts with a man. And then that man and that group of people begin to labor and invest for the kingdom of God and serve people and try to reach people, right? And what happens before you know it is that there is a movement that starts. And there's growth that starts happening over the course of time. And that movement starts happening. And then you start getting all kinds of programs and things going on to meet different kinds of people's needs because, hey, we live in America. And in America, we are defined as consumers, and so we like to consume things, including at churches, we like to consume things that meet our needs. And so we develop all kinds of programs so that we can feel happy, right? <laughs> Sorry, I got a little edge on myself about that mindset. Now, what happens with consumers, uh, and sometimes, and, and programs are great, you need programs to reach people, I'm not against programs, structure, you have to sustain structure, I remember... Uh, uh, when I came out here to do my doctorate stuff in the 80s, late 80s, and uh, I remember Rick Warren making a mention because he was in my class, my D-Men program at Fuller, that there's no church bigger, uh, uh, there's no animal larger than six inches or something that doesn't have a skeleton. So I'm like, okay, so you have to have some structure as things grow, right? And so I understand structure, some need for programs, that kind of thing. But what happens is we become inward focused, and that which started as a movement to reach people for Jesus becomes belly button gazing. Yeah. Look at that. Abner said it goes from a man to a movement, and then it turns into a lot of machinery. And so the machine's next. And after a while, the machine takes so much oil to grease, everything starts to become internal that, you know, why do we even exist, you know, other than to grease our own machines? And then what happens at the top there? It starts to go down, and you go from a man to a movement to machine, and, and Vance Havner says, then the church becomes a monument. And we just talk about the good old days. My mom and dad helped start a church in Wabash, Indiana, Alliance Church. You know that bell curve, don't you, Mom? When I was in ninth grade, we went to an Alliance church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. 
We went there because there was a movement of God happening. A guy by the name of Paul Edwardson was our pastor. His son, Dale Edwardson, ministers here on the West Coast in his life. We know that bell curve from the Fort Wayne Gospel Temple, don't we, Mom? I came back in later years of my life on staff and helped close that church down and moved, moved it to align, merge with another church. Still good people there, still ministering for God. I was a part of a really dynamic youth ministry. Went from 30 to 130 within a year, year and a half. I ended up coming back to that church, serving on staff as college and career pastor. I remember college and career pastor opening day. I had a bunch of Taylor University and Indiana Wesleyan people there. I think we were up, up to, I, I'm, I'm thinking like it was 12, 1300 that Sunday morning. The Wesleyan Church in Marion, Indiana, that church today, if you go back there, good people still laboring, going strong, but they're running about 300. I experienced that bell curve there. Melissa and I were led of God to start a church 20 years ago. Eagle Church. I love Eagle Church. They're ministering and rocking it out for Jesus in the northwest side of Indianapolis this very hour. But one of the things we were challenged by was this bell curve. We grew from no people, no building, no money to a church that probably had regular attenders in both campuses between the northwest side and the west side of a thousand people. But we'd been plateaued for a number of years. We were at the top. And our leadership was wrestling through what to do. I had some really good leaders around me. I questioned what they were questioning. They questioned what I was questioning. We parted ways. It was a hard goodbye. And my prayers for them this morning and their teaching pastor texted me last night asking God's blessing for my life and upon us as a church. His name's Eric. And I pray God's blessing on either church this morning that them and the leadership navigate that bell curve and they continue to grow. But what do you do? What do you do when you're at the top of that peak? Any questions? What do you do? Here, I, we'll, we'll put the next slide up there. What do you do? Get, get a new bag of tricks? Go do something other churches are doing? No, I sat down with a guy, I was a strategy guy for Lilly Pharmaceutical Company after I left Eagle Church, and Eagle, um, uh, we were talking about what needed to be done in some ways. And he says, Carrie, when we're at the peak, he says, what they tell you in business, and some of you business people probably know this, they say you've got to jump the curve. And so the next curve is right before us, and we've got to be able to jump the curve. We need to pray what that curve is. You know, I uh, had a joy of listening through online. People have been speaking from this platform the last few weeks, and um, Bill's here. Bill, I've listened to all your message, and uh, I'm not intimidated to follow you. <laughs> no, because he got me back if you were here the first week, the whole Billy Graham thing and that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't know I'd get a chance to do that. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> anyway, um, wow, he's my boss. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, let's move right along. But I listened to uh, the last week that Dave and Elena were here, 
the founding pastor of Course Church and uh, many friends of yours, uh, and uh, they're praying for us today, I know as well. And so um, I thought it was interesting because Dave, you know, heartbroken way, hey, I'm leaving, so tough <laughs> about announcement. And God's calling them on to, to be regional church planning directors for the Christian Missionary Alliance of the West Coast. And um, Dave said that for the last year, I think this is what he said, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, that, that he really believed that God had Chorus 2.0. Remember him saying that? And that Chorus 2.0, and he really believed God was going to bring you somebody that was going to be a, a pastor and a great teacher and a season of life and going, and that's all cool, and I believe that to be true. I don't know what 2.0 means, those kinds of things. It's going to be a new movement of God. But um, uh, that bell curve is not our choosing. And we have to seek Jesus, Aslan, who's on the move, decide how are we going to navigate what God has for us. So I don't come with a big plan this morning and say, write it all down, that's what we're going to do. This paper I wrote caused me to write some initiatives that have resonated in my heart, but I don't know. I do know that we've got to make the jump, though, because we've been at that top point. Would some of you agree? And when you start to go down the backside a little bit, you get a little fearful. And you start questioning a lot of things. Then you start questioning as if you're going to stay. Those are all legitimate things to happen. And you know why you question if you're going to stay at a church? Because you want to be where the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is at work. And you have every right to do that. But I tell you what, sometimes you've got to go across down in the valleys a little bit. Sometimes you have to take a risk. You have to jump. You have to leap because it's not always easy. The valley my wife and I have walked through in my family, and particularly my older two boys, for the last 18 months, questioning God and all that, has not been But the Lord Jesus has spoken and is continuing to speak to us in some fresh ways. And I invite you and I to make that jump and see what he has for us. Because the Lord Jesus Christ desires that all would be saved. This is the journey we're going to go on for these next few weeks. And I didn't get to nearly everything I wanted to get to today, so it may go on for another few weeks. <laughs> we'll have a couple great Christmas services, especially of outreach. But we got work to do. As I wrestled over the last, not just the last number of weeks, and this assignment I had, but really it goes back now years upon years thinking through it, this is an adaptation of Vance Havner's thoughts that I want us to go on a journey with. I believe the new bell curve, and you need to know something about this bell curve, especially as it relates, I, I want to mention this, to this whole chorus 2.0 thing. Um, I'm endeared to that in many ways, but I'm willing to do whatever God does, even if he wants to scrap the whole operating system. And that's just as radical of a person that you chose to invite, and there wasn't one negative comment sent into the elders about me, so it's your fault. <laughs> I finally got one elder to admit they had a little bit of concern about my age, but then after meeting me, and more importantly, meeting my wife, they were fine.
Pastor Dave said that God was going to bring to you a pastor and a teacher. I am a shepherd, and I do teach. I preach more than I teach, I think, sometimes. But God did not bring you a pastor and a teacher. In the fivefold roles of Ephesians 4, it says that there's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the pastors, and the teachers. God brought you someone with some of the same heart that planted this church. Someone who had an apostolic heart with an evangelistic spirit. That's who I am. And as an apostolic person, I am not an apostle. I'm not don't. But as an apostolic person, small a, I think somebody said that. It must have listened to. As an apostolic hearted person, I am willing to risk and go on this jump and see what God does. And we may very well arrive in some area of Narnia that we never even thought of before. But we need to be willing to go there. The one thing you will not compromise for, as I ask, is that whatever it is, however it looks, that the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is right there at the front leading it. That's what you want. And if I was you, maybe you came as a guest today. Thanks for coming. That's a pretty, pretty big deal to just sort of show up as an invite. Who's the new guy that's coming into town with those little business cards saying it's pretty cool? But <laughs> my life was changed for Jesus Christ in particular. When I was in the youth ministry, it exploded. And when we invited our friends and they left, in that particular gathering, they went out on the streets cruising strips, we went to basketball games, and we just saw the power of God working. People would come. They were a little confused what was going on. I said, but I, I think, I don't know what was in there, but I think God was in there. I'm always wanting to be where God's at, and that's what I know you want, and may you be zealous for that. And let's pray to be where God's found. But this is the journey we're going to go on, beginning with a man. God's brought you a man, a broken, humble man, if you really know and know the story of what my life has been for the last 18 months. But it's not me, the man, that this is referring to. It wasn't Dave Reynolds either. The man is the son of man. And it begins with a man, and the man brings a message. And so we start with the man, the person of Jesus Christ himself, and the message is the message of the full gospel of the kingdom of God. And the message gives birth into a mission. And the mission is to take the kingdom of God to the entire world. And the mission begins to define ministry. And ministry, as I have a passion for, and I believe the calling of God for, and some of the parameters for what we do, is going to be an incarnational transformational, communal, and missional kind of ministry. But the ministries are kingdom ambassadors forwarding and doing the labor of the kingdom. That, my friends, I believe under the anointing of the Holy Spirit turns into a movement. And I want us to look in some weeks ahead, the whole concept of the movement of the multiplication of missional communities and us thinking in terms not of just this gathering experience, but a scattering experience where 24-7 we are a part of the movement of God in a valley and in our workplaces and in our home lives and in our social circles. A movement, a multiplying of missional community life being sent out. And then ultimately 
is the manifestation. The manifestation is being where the presence of Jesus Christ is. So next week, you come back. I want to have to set up more chairs here. You bring your friends. You bring people that want to be found where the presence of God is. Yeah, I'll rock the valley for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But I want to manifest the glory of Jesus because Jesus wants to be where his glory can be found. So you pray for that end. Will you labor to that end? I was going to start on the bottom tier of that with man today, but I think it's time to worship. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And as they come up, let's just turn our hearts to worship him. The Lord's going to be glorified in the receiving of our tithes and offerings as well. And any comments you might have on a communication card or prayer concerns you might have, fill that out, turn that in, and we'll be part of that as a church as we move forward. But the kingdom of God is now at hand through the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ working in and amongst us, not only in a room such as this, but as we leave from here. So let's worship him. Let's endear our hearts to Jesus. And may we find ourselves truly in his presence, not only in a time of worship like this, but in his presence every day of the week to do his beckoning. Because his heart is broken. He came to die for lost people. And if you're here this morning and you're a person who's far from God and you want to experience the kingdom of God and invite Christ into your life, walk through the back of the wardrobe, experience his glory, then you talk to the friend who came you, who you came with, or come talk with me afterwards or maybe someone else that's close to you. This is the day of salvation and it may be your day. Let's worship the Lord together as we receive the Lord's tithes and offerings.